Hira Kutu Katoa, Me Nau Mai Harima Ete Wiki Ote Taki. It's Ramari, Friday, 16th of February 2024, and welcome to the New Zealand Tax Podcast. Ko Terry Boucher Aho. I'm the Director of Boucher Consulting, a tax consultancy helping individuals, small businesses, and professionals navigate the tax minefield. My guest this week is Tracy Lloyd, Service Leader, Compliance, Strategy, and Innovation at Inland Revenue. Kia ora, Tracy. Thanks for coming along. Kia ora, Terry. Thank you for asking me. Great. So what's your role within Inland Revenue? What does compliance strategy and innovation mean? Okay, so I'm the service leader of a relatively new unit in Inland Revenue called Compliance Strategy and Innovation, or CSI for short. CSI Inland Revenue. Correct. So during Inland Revenue's large business transformation, we introduced our brand new computer solution called START. Which stands for? Stands for Simplified Taxation and Revenue Technology. And I oversaw the team that was responsible for utilising the analytical tools of that system. Once the business transformation project was finished, CSI was designed and set up to take over and expand the work that we had been doing. So CSI has been in existence for about 20 months now, and there's 25 of us, including me. Right. So um, CSI sounds very... Um, ominous, just joking aside, but you obviously you've got these new tools that mm-hmm. Start has uh, as provided. Mm-hmm. Other revenue officials have told me that it has in greatly in- enhanced your capabilities. Mm-hmm. How have you deployed those capabilities? What does CSI do yeah. in this case? So we basically champion using intelligence to lead our approach to compliance. So we combine insights from our customer segments, what our customers are saying, what our people are seeing, um, our systems, our tax and social policy products that we administer, and analytics. We connect the dots between all those different challenges to help the leadership teams make decisions about how to prioritise compliance initiatives. So it's not just proactive compliance activities. It's such things as sending out query letters, um, following up overdue debt, overdue returns, but also working on educating our customers through tailored communications, marketing campaigns, and of course, audit work. Um, I mean, that's a lot of management speak, but, yeah. but basically we look at problems where our compliance is not good or where customers are confused and we think how we can help. So um, how can we help our customers and how can we improve compliance with the amazing tools that we have available now to use? So where, where's an initiative that you've been able to deploy some of these tools, um, which has helped clear up confusion? Right. So um, probably one that we um, which should probably touch on is how I uh, interacted with MSD and some of the various COVID products that Inland Revenue administered over that time. Um, so you went to MSD's Ministry of Social Development and that, and the two agencies had to work together over the COVID. Yeah, payments. so MSD had the wage subsidy and, and I won't cover the interactions that we had with them over that, but I just wanted to clarify that if someone was in business and eligible for the wage subsidy, which was administered by MSD, um, then that um, wage subsidy had to be in their income tax return and had to be returned for um, for income tax. What we found within one week of the 2021 tax returns being able to be filed was that 80% of people who'd received the wage subsidy were not returning it. 80%? 80%, 80%, 80%. 80%. And obviously 
we can identify that, but then every single one of them needs some manual action and a contact um, mm -hmm. for us to ask whether people are happy for us to uh, include it. Because there was the odd one where the, the data wasn't quite right, but um, only very, very rarely. So what we did is we got the files from MSD and we worked with them and they were super helpful. And we were able to upload those files within 10 days into um, everyone's tax returns and pre-populated that information in there. So that meant that we went from an 80% fail rate of people including it to a 20% fail rate where mm. it was pre-populated, but people were perhaps changing that figure or um, deleting that figure out of their return before they submitted it. So, right. And then if they deleted it or they followed Or they changed time. it, yeah, it stopped for manual review. Right. And, and we would contact them and ask if there was a reason, maybe they had paid some of it back to MSD. Um, and so we would liaise over that to check that they got the right amount. The group, this group would be employees or shareholder employees? Shareholder employees yeah. and, yeah, basically, share, and self-employed people. And self-employed, because everyone yeah. else, wage subsidies should have gone through pay. That's alone. right. Yeah, yeah. And so if you were employee, then there was no impact um, to you. Uh, right. So um, then the other COVID resurgence payments, you, those yeah. were directly Inland Revenue's responsibilities. They were. So we had um, CSP, RSP and the small business cash flow, um, which obviously has just finished closed off on the 31st of December. So, yeah, they're all still sort of live uh, under review because I see today there's a report that uh, someone has been uh, a white cattle farmer was just um, sent home sentenced to home detention for fraud around claiming CSP and the small business cash flow scheme. Yeah, so, so we, how would we, you how might you have picked that up? Well, a, um, a lot of the work that we did, we actually did front end. Mm -hmm. So we did based on the application rather than letting the money out the door mm -hmm. because it's very difficult once the money's gone. And we are doing that audit activity, obviously, because we're starting to see um, prosecutions following on from that um, where people will, we will contact people and determine that they fraudulently applied for it or applied for an error. But what we were able to use START for was to proactively stop those applications in the system um, based on running them across a whole lot of rules mm -hmm. and then um, stop them for manual review. So um, to give you an example of some of the rules that we ran across um, those particular um, COVID products, things like duplicate bank accounts. You know, if you had more than a few um, entities using the same bank account, that was usually a, a trigger for us that there was some, some sort of identity theft potentially going on. Um, we also had uh, examples where we had no record of that particular customer being in business at all. Um, applications completed from offshore, so you had to be a New Zealand-based business. Um, so uh, and you you would have identified those through the domain and the IP right. address. That's right. That was yeah. all that information is available to us. And also, we had people putting deceased persons on their employee schedule. We had um, the number of employees over lockdown were going up. Um, so that generated some questions from us, um, employees that were children um, and very, very elderly, um, or the same employee on a large number of schedules, which also raises a, a number of questions. Um, I, I think um, I wasn't able to check this figure before I left the office, because um, ironically, one of my team is preparing for a prosecution um, and she's busy, but 
I think the figure, and I think it was for um, the RSP, something That's like the resurgence, resurgence support, support payment. payment. Yeah. Um, I think that it used to open at 8 a.m. in the morning. The applications would open for people to apply. And there were, you know, four, five, six different iterations um, over that time. Something like the first four out of five that arrived in um, into Inland Revenue were fraudulent. Wow. That was within a couple of minutes after 8 a.m. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of those were offshore. There were lots of people shopping from offshore into our systems, and we were able to stop all of those. So to give you, I've got some stats. Chats are always welcome. Um, so for CSP, um, we stopped for manual review 9% of all applications. So that's actually quite low if you think about it. So 91% went automatically out the door overnight. Yeah. And people got the money that they desperately needed. Um, and of the 9% that we did stop, we declined 66% of them. So a very high percentage. And generally speaking, the ones that we did pay out after stopping for a manual review were people who had recently started in business. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and we asked them for some proof of business and that type of stuff, and, and then that went fine. And, like, I know that's no help to customers who had to wait but did get the money in the end, but we did decline um, about 32,000 applications, and we stopped $147 million from being erroneously issued to people who weren't entitled to it. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And for small business cash flow loan, uh, we declined 67% of the applications we stopped. And this amounted to 550 million. I mean, it, it, the small business cash flow scheme was in many ways a bigger, um, significantly bigger, bigger than the CSPs and wage subsidies. Much more. Because I think it, it ran to almost a billion and a half of lending in total. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So a third, another 500 million on top of what was already yep. lent was attempted. Correct. Fraud. Correct. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and so it's 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 testament to the you know um, the people that we had working on it and and the the new system that and we that. were able to do it proactively instead of coming along afterwards and saying hey you shouldn't have got that money can you pay it back because that is very very difficult. Well, I mean, the wage subsidy is a good example. It was a high trust environment. It just money out the door because we're in the midst of the COVID crisis. That's right. That, that, was, that, that was the first COVID yeah, product that, that went out. And, yeah. But then subsequently a change. And I guess to give a comparison with uh, another overseas tax agency that didn't quite get it so right, there's this ongoing scandal over the Australian tax office mm -hmm. where these TikTok influencers mm -hmm. basically said, here's how to scam mm -hmm. the ATO for GST fraud. And, I think it's over a billion dollars in counting. And it the is. ATO has, has has admitted it really isn't sure how big this scandal is. Yep, that's um, exactly what And that's quite staggering. I mean, what do you do about that? It, no TikTok influencers have had a go here? Uh, no. I mean, we have, um, I think later on we're going to cover Integrity Manager, and we've had, definitely had people send us snips of social media marketing. Hey, give me you know, give me your IID number and I'll get you a refund. Mm. Um, no worries. Um, so, but nothing quite to the extent of Australia. We keep a very, very close eye on our own GST. Yes. Um, to ensure that nothing like that will happen in, in New Zealand. And we've spoken to our senior execs about that, that we're very comfortable that we would, that we would be able to see that immediately and react immediately um, if we saw any of that behaviour. But I mean that the numbers are just staggering over in Australia. Oh, thank thank God for a start, and um, yeah, because that's that's to to repeat what a point I made earlier. 
conversations I've had with other revenue officials is that if start hadn't been available at the start uh, when COVID turned up, it would have been very difficult for any of these uh, programs to have been run. They probably would have all had to have been run out of MSD and uh, higher risk of fraud, perhaps. Yeah, or even just high trust model yeah. out from inland revenue with no checking beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. So talking about checking, um, so you mentioned integrity manager. Mm-hmm. But one, one of the great things that START did is bring in the auto assessment routine. Mm-hmm. And so the people no longer had to either go through a tax agent or the tax intermediaries that were there. Uh, and instead, from the majority of taxpayers who um on PAYE and salary and everything is being withheld either through pay as you earn or through interest. Mm-hmm. Um, they're on the auto assessment, yep. um, auto calps. I think is that the terminology. No, auto calp was the original term, but yeah, auto, 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 auto assessment. Auto assessment. Yeah. And so the integrity manager is something that came out of that or is part of that. How yeah. does that operate? Or how? Because you're dealing with two million taxpayers in basically six weeks. Yep. It, it is about six weeks, isn't yep. it? Six, seven yep, weeks. Yeah, it is. So I think our last auto assessments, we had um, 3.2 million individual income tax returns were sent to customers, and 88% of those required a customer to do absolutely nothing. And I was one of those. <laughs> so I didn't have to do uh, absolutely anything. And Integrity Manager is another one of those new tools. So I spoke previously about the decision support manager that we used for the COVID products. The Integrity Manager is another amazing tool that we now have, which stops returns with potential errors and fraud in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also got some statistics that will explain how it works. So every single tax return goes through Integrity Manager before it's processed. We screened 10 million tax returns in the last year. Um, tax returns would not only be individual tax correct. returns, but the sort of the date, there'd be a big group here of GST returns, particularly large. the pay-as-you-earn filings. So the only one that doesn't um, have rules run over at an integrity manager is our EMP schedules. Mm-hmm. And that is because we need to make sure that deductions and entitlements go as soon as possible, yeah. you know, child support and student loan, et cetera. Um, but we do do some back work on that, on those. So basically every tax, NRWT, approved issue or levy, GST, donations is another big one mm-hmm. where we also run rules over it. Um, and so while we had 10 million tax returns in the past year, over 200,000 were looked at to be manually reviewed because they hit a rule which had some concern from That's us. That's what? Not even, about 2%, not even 2%. No, it's... 0.2%. Yeah, small. Yes. Um. And so some of the main areas we look at are GST income tax and donations. They're our, our big ones. Um, and some examples of some of the things that, you know, that um, you've heard me speak about publicly before, are changing pre-populated figures. You know, why are you changing them? Because we got that data. Um, making up figures to, that we can check against other data we hold. Some uh, we've had, we have, that is a frequent flyer, shall we say, every year. People just making up figures. Um, you, the example you had one where one person was constantly changing the online return yes. until they got the right number. And, yes. you, and by that stage, they'd amended it 50 or 60 times. Yes. So um, that's called, it's called snapshot internally. And, and, it, and I, it, it, it's with a, the new start system. It's the ability for us to view activity in my IR. Now, it applies just as much internally. So every time um, I'm in the system, for example, that's all recorded. 
um, and able to be viewed. And it's also in um, my IR. And the, the reason that it's there is for training purposes. Mm -hmm. Because when we've got someone on the phone, I can hear the people sitting behind me um, saying, okay, you're in the wrong part of the return. You need to go to this particular tab to do what you're trying to do. So we're able to track where you are and help you through the system. But one of the side um, things that's come from that is that we're actually able to uh, look at what someone's done while they've been filing their return. For example, um, we can see that people are adjusting figures, going to see how big or small the refund is now, and then going back and changing the figures again, and doing this countless and countless times, backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. Now, if you're doing that type of behavior, even either you're really confused and you need some help from us, or you're just making up figures. Mm. Um, and so we have the ability to see that, and we're also able to stop returns that have had this type of behavior happen on them. Um, some of the other rules are the, an IP address has been used to commit fraud in the past. Um, so we can red list that. And, um, and identity theft is an ongoing issue for us. Um, and imagine phishing, uh, and, and that's tied into the endless phishing scams. Endless phishing scams, yeah. yeah. Um, other rules that we have, say one for donations, is large school donations. So possibly private and therefore not allowed. Mm -hmm. uh, large donations compared with total um, income yes so that, uh, it, it may be totally legit but let's just ask a question about it and see how you, how you go I mean in the past we've had um, people uh, entering payroll giving figures just making up figures and just putting it in the return um, we have people entering employee share scheme figures just making it up putting it in the return um, putting in interest and in RWT that are the same amount so 10,000 and 10,000. And also what we see is that when people are making up figures to put in their return, they quite often make them all zeros. So there's nothing quite like a round number, is there? No. Um, and uh, so in over the last to the 23 year, um, Integrity Manager Reviews stopped 145 million of incorrect or fraudulent returns. Um uh, refunds dollars of this 56 million was voluntary disclosed by customers and eight customers and 89 million was stopped after we engaged with the customer and asked them some questions about it um so you know you said you'd like some examples so i brought some ex examples with me um non-business expenses in the automatic assessments is yep. a continual source of frustration for us there's only four or five things that you can claim for um the, the one that most people claim for a uh, um, uh, loss of profits, uh, loss of insurance, income, insurance, yeah. that's the main. Um, but we get everything, literally everything coming through there. Um, and one example that I've got here is um, someone had claimed just over $15,000 of non-business expenses. And when we called to ask what it was, he said that he'd paid quite a lot of tax um, and his father-in-law suggested he claimed some of it back. Um, nothing like being honest. So we did sort of point out that the amount of tax you pay is relevant to the amount of income that you earn. This person had earned a significant amount of income. Um, we had another one here where this person was only on salary and wages, um, had claimed $20,800 of non-business expenses. And when we asked what they were, um, she said her son was at Auckland University and she was still supporting him. She thought she should be allowed to claim his expenses and added up his rent and groceries because he eats quite a lot. Um, she did ask if we could put it in another box, if that would help. 
Um, we said there was no other box that we could put that in. Um, but an example of some of um, more sort of deliberate fraud, shall we say, um, someone who was receiving um, working for families um, but had no income at all. And then when we um, did some deep diving into their searches, we found 15 other customers were linked to the same bank account. Wow. Um, and a majority of those customers were overseas because we can do customs checks. Yes, because you share information very frequently. Yeah, and very I, regularly. And I know clients are often amazed it's, because in my job, we're often t determining is when someone became resident and mm -hmm. working out rules about yeah, that. Yeah. Say, go to customs and and they'll come back to you with um, your dates in and out of the country. And immigration turns up with those details inside a day or so. People are incredibly impressed at how efficient it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I've been in a meeting where um, the file from information that had been shared from customs was literally about a foot high. And I thought, we're in a bit of trouble here. <laughs> we didn't win that case. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, that's the regular amount of information mm. sharing goes on. I mean, I, I, it's a common theme on the podcast, but I think people this do not understand just how much information is shared and how much information you've got access to. And that, and that was definitely a, um, something that we saw with the wage subsidy mm. um, when we pre-populated it and, you know, people deleted it. And we said, well, why? And, and they actually admitted to us that they weren't actually eligible for it. Straight off the bat. Yeah. And we're just like, well, I'm not sure what you want us to do about that, but you, because you did actually receive the money. Mm. Um, so they didn't obviously think that we would talk to each other. Yes. And get that information. While the pre-population was a second step, we were always getting that file mm. with the with the in income information in it. And it, you run campaigns sometimes based around this because talking about expenses, I recall that um, recently there was a campaign advising real estate um, agents. Mm -hmm. You know what can you claim? Because it had come across to your attention, someone's attention, that there seemed to be a lot of expenses being claimed, and uh, I think. The result of that was next year around yep. the amount of claims and expense claim de declined. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So uh, integrity manager was used because obviously we have bit codes which mm. tell us who's a real estate agent. Yeah. And we're able to look at the level of income compared with the level of expenditure. And it doesn't necessarily always prove that there's anything wrong, but it does beg a question. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the number of um, very imaginative expenses that people claim um was huge and that's why we've you know on our website now you can get um it's very easy to find the real estate agents form which details out what expenses you're able, able to claim and what you're not um and obviously and i think we did that in a couple few different languages as well yes um, to hopefully help people understand the rules a little bit better because it can be different in other countries to just talking about other languages in there, just a little snippet that came out of the report that was released uh, in connection with the Tax Principles Act. And one of the um, comments about trust in inland revenue was that it was extremely high amongst migrant communities, highest amongst Asian migrant communities. And um, so that's credit to to the organisation that that's built, been able to build a level of trust there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, our community compliance um, folks spend a lot of time working yeah. with um, our migrant communities um, and speaking to them in their own languages and stuff and going to um, 
trade fairs and and community halls and so on, helping people understand because yeah. they're also entitled to social policy, which we need to make sure they get as well. That's right. So it's a huge things. You're not just sort of taking tax off mm-hmm. off people. You're redistributing because you're the key agency for distributing KiwiSaver, working for families, which is two two billion dollars, mm-hmm. um, child support. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, those are the three main distributors. That's around there. Um, as a tax agents, uh, as a tax agent, how important are tax agents to your role? Because we work with you uh, on that, and I've seen increased engagement on that. What's Absolutely, your that, that's certainly what what how it feels like to us. I mean, tax agents represent about one point eight million customers to inland revenue, so it's a massive um, massive way for us to contact a huge customer group by using tax agents. Um, so many of the rules that I've talked about during this um, chat, uh, we don't enable for tax agents because we just don't see the same type of um, behaviour, erroneous and fraudulent behaviour um, that we do with customers who aren't represented by tax agents. So, um, you know, there's always the odd one, yes. but they're very rare. Um, so tax can be really complex. So tax agents are a critical part to making sure that people get it right. Um, and uh, as you know, we have regular meetings with um Chartered Accountants Australia, New Zealand, and also with ATANS, and that was um, where we met at, yes. at the ATANS um, conference where I did a presentation. So, and we share about what we're doing with compliance and you know how we can help. And we quite often when we're planning to do some sort of compliance campaign, the tax agents will be the first people that we contact to say, "Hey, this is what we're gearing up to do. We're just letting you know um, so that you can think about it in terms of your client base." Speaking of which, any new compliance campaigns on the horizon? Um, well, there, there's a few sort of that are sort of in the planning stages. Obviously, you would have heard about payment service providers was the new legislation that was, yeah. well, it's not quite new anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's getting data. So we're working on getting that data. And once we have that, obviously, we will definitely kick off some campaigns around that. That's the um, Uber and... Uh... No, that's more... Um, uh, FPOS. FPOS. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But you're right with Uber. So the other campaign is we've got the sharing economy. Yes. Yep. Um, so we're running a targeted campaign focusing on raising awareness, educating, and so on. Um, and it's, you know, ride sharing, food and beverage delivery, and short stay visitor accommodation, um, trying to raise customers' awareness and understanding because it applies from 1 April and some people might get caught out. So. Mm. And the other big one that we've got on the go, other than we soon, of course, we'll start our next automated assessments round, um, just letting people know that's coming up, um, is on student loans. So this targeted campaign is mostly focusing on overseas-based borrowers um, who are in default. Mm-hmm. So only 26% of overseas borrowers are making the required repayments that they should be making on their loans. Um, 94% of New Zealand-based borrowers do so that's a good figure so the purpose of the campaign is to increase the overall compliance of student loan borrow um, customers so that they understand their obligations um also people understand their obligations when they leave new zealand to perhaps go do their big oe and stuff so that they understand that they're still obligated to make repayments on that um this this particular campaign we're slicing into nine specific segments to try and make our um awareness campaigns a little bit more targeted and hopefully a little bit better at getting through to people. Um, so you might see some information on the sharing economy via LinkedIn, but you probably won't see targeted paid advertising unless you've got a student loan debt or you're doing an Uber side hustle. Right. 
Oh, I've got enough to do. <laughs> so um, that's all, quite a lot to ponder there on on what CSA inland revenue is up to. But it, so to 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 wrap up, what sort of message would um, you like to send or uh, Tracy on? We have the tools, yep. a bit like Liam Neeson, we yep. will find you. Uh, pretty much. I mean, our, obviously our first step is to make it as easy for people to get it right in the first place. And we spend a lot of time reviewing how customers behave in the system so that we can help and maybe and change the system to, to make it more intuitive for people. Um, but you're right, we've got these amazing tools and we're using and utilising them all the time and we're learning more and more about them um, all the time. So, yeah. It's a it's a it's a great system and it's good for New Zealanders. Yeah, I mean the things start computer projects are controversial, but Start has been an enormous project. It was delivered um, on time and uh, under budget. Un, un, under budget. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, to just put some numbers in context, you, in our revenue, you said yeah, they talked about identifying one hundred and forty-five million dollars of fraud. Inland Revenue's annual operating budget is about $700 million. So you pretty much pay for yourself very, very quickly on that. Um, well, Tracy, thank you so much for thank joining you. us. Um, been a pleasure having you on with us. And um, yeah, you have been told, let's be careful out there. Well, that's all for this week. I'm Terry Boucher. Uh, thank you for listening. And you can uh, spread the word about this podcast with your friends and uh, colleagues. So until next week, have a great day.